0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to scale of Africa's Ignite Insights. My name is Olivia. And I'm Amma, and we're going to be covering a whole lot in terms of corporate innovation, entrepreneurship, and engagement with our community of top African leaders and entrepreneurs and investors throughout the series. Absolutely. So tune in, subscribe, and follow us for the next couple of months when we share all this great insights with you. Hi, I'm Maz Negash. Nice
1: to see you. Nice to see you, Amma. Good Thank to have you, you with me Thank today. You. I'm here in Sunnyvale, and you are?
0: I'm in Accra, Ghana.
1: Oh boy, I'm in California. So okay, we're far away from each other, but exactly, because we are together through Zoom
0: exactly exactly it's good to see you so we wanted good to good just to catch up you. with you about scale up africa and our mission and we wanted to really just draw you in as um, you know one of our advisors to just speak to some of the issues around entrepreneurship growth potential the way that we invest in our SMEs the way that we we look at growing more of our SMEs to create the jobs and the economic impact that we we saw you know we so desperately need on the continent. So we just wanted to maybe have a, some words from you about it, your work with ADN. I mean, I've, I'm such a huge admirer of the work that you've done over the years because we've been following you for many, many years, and the work that you put into building an organisation and network as you have. And I know you've just finished a, a huge uh, investment symposium. So it would be great to hear from you just uh, a little bit about your observations about the general ecosystem and, you know, your thoughts about how we can get better at improving our quality of uh, SMEs to create the jobs that we need. So over to you.
1: Thank you, Amar. Well, first of all, let me just uh, say that I admire what you're doing. I think you've got something that um, very few people have thought about, and that is really to look at the bread and butter of Africa, the SMEs. How do we absolutely get them to the place where they need to be, not just only training and that, how about uh, building their businesses? What does it take to build a business? What does it take to really generate revenue so they become sustainable and then the community goes. So that's job development for each SME. That will make a big difference in families in every place in Africa. Of course, we start with Ghana. Now, what we, what I would like to talk about is what's the contribution of the diaspora, because I really, really am, uh, focusing on the diaspora, because the diaspora is the most generous. We give more than $14 billion in remittances to the continents, three times more than what Africa gets from, uh, uh aid and then even more from DFIs. So if that is the, uh, from the direct foreign investment, if this is the case, and then I'm always saying, Well, uh, African governments, you do have a chance to work with us and work with us in a very intentional way. There are some countries beginning to do that, and that's Ethiopia, I know Ghana, Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, on and on and on. And so the diaspora, you know, we're a reflection of where we come from. We reside in places like the United States and specific place where I am right now in Silicon Valley. There's a very unique interest in... um, uh, in Africa in a sense that even though there are that many corporations from Silicon Valley investing in Africa, but their interest is growing. One of the wonderful thing I think we feel comfortable about what ADN has done is we have started from the beginning. Our mission has been how do we bring Africans and French of Africa together? Because really, at the core, we, the new immigrants like myself, are ambassadors to the continent. Um, so I'm from Eritrea uh, originally, and so... Yeah, that's good, and it's fine, I'm that from there, but I am an African, and I'm also African-American, and I'm an Eritrean-American, and it's the complexity of who we are. It's not just the one thing that we are, but it's the complexity of who we are that makes us do what we do, and so one of the things that we're interested in with the diaspora is what can we do to make a difference in the continent intentionally? It's not that when I send money to my family, which I will, no matter what happens, you know, we the diaspora, we will do everything we can to make sure that our families, wherever we come from, are supported. Not only our mother, father, sister, brother, but also extended cousins and family members. We do this over and over and over and over, even if it comes at the cost of your own personal well-being. That is a commitment that very, very few people can say uh, they have it. And so if you have that, that's wonderful, but I am trying to figure out what can we do to also use at least, at least maybe what, 30% of our income uh, that we save or whatever the person, because everybody has different uh, need for their money and they know how they use it. What would that look like if we can intentionally invest also in SMEs, in corporations, in businesses in Africa? I have no idea. I know there are a lot of people doing it. One thing that I know is happening is the themselves are going back home to create their own business, to create their own venture, to do many different things. But how about looking at what exists in the continent, country by country? Of course, we have 54 countries uh, or 55 sometimes, sometimes depending on who's counting. What would it look like if we can look at ventures that we can put our money? And I see that being a part of your scale up Africa program because you don't want to just only depend, uh, be dependent on others to do this, to make a difference in the continent. We, the diaspora need to do that. And that does not, uh, that should also not hinder me uh, where I invest. So simply because I'm an Eritrean, I don't have to only look at Eritrea. Well, I want to do the intra-diaspora investment. So what that means is, That's part of the intra-Africa migration, intra-Africa trade. It is within, I think, that will make Africa what it can be versus what we always think that we need to get something from outside. I think the answer is, is within. The question is, how do we go about making it? And I am very happy that people like you are thinking out loud and making this possible. And the question also then is, the second question is, How do we go about making sure that SMEs who are ready to receive investment from the diaspora get it? What are the mechanisms? I know many people are developing um, uh, an online uh, fintech system that the diaspora can invest on programs. We'll see how these things go because trust is key. So for for us always is the building relationship, and then after you build relationship, you build trust. After you build trust, there is action that follows. I don't know anything that happens without these three. I never experienced it because if I did, I failed so many times.
0: That's great. That's great. So what what what, what are your experiences on observations or observations of diaspora bonds so, so
1: far? The diaspora bond. So let me talk about what I know. So the Eritrean government is very good at this. And in fact, Eritreans are the most generous uh, you may have seen in terms of the funding that we've given before to the country. Many countries like uh, uh, like Eritrea uh, live on remittances. And so the government in 1998, if I remember correctly, opened up uh, a diaspora bond. I have to say it was very successful in us. We don't know what the intention other people have had, but for us, even my husband and I invested in, in that fund, it was wonderful because it did really bring the diaspora, the Eritrean diaspora together. And the fund, you can look at the history of that fund that, that was created by the Eritrean government. There was a lot of euphoria and the Tremendous interest in making sure that the com- the country was sustainable because we just came out of war, yeah, and then yeah. the country also was going to another war. So it's a yeah. long story. Everybody has a different view about that that one, but the fact that they did it in 1998, and then the Eritrean diaspora continues to be very generous toward that country is some example that I like to see, that I like to quote from time to time. Um, we use the bond to do things in the country. Uh, We got the the money back, but it was very helpful to the government because they were able to get this much money, whatever the amount, I don't remember that much money to do things that they needed to do. And so there are, uh, there are ways to do it. And some other people have also started and some, I know they fail, uh, but it is very important. And I know Nigeria did recently, uh, it was oversubscribed if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not sure what the uh, the status is right now. So a lot of countries have started to do that. I'm not sure about Ghana, uh, but the Nigerians have done it. I believe that was recent. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one way to do the bond. But I think there are other ways too to invest uh, because one is bonded. The other one is just pure investment. There are housing, uh, inv- real estate investments real estate. one can do. And then there are uh, SMEs, whether it's in the payment system or HR system or others that we could also look at.
0: Our funding see. platforms exactly. or projects for exactly. agriculture and all that. Right.
1: Exactly. Agriculture is another thing. I just had an interview with the CEO of Heifer International. It's actually on our YouTube channel. And one of the things that you're doing, and I think prior to our talk we were talking about, um, uh, about the kind of investment that is needed in Africa, well, agriculture, 60% of the population depends on agriculture. Well, why not then invest in the agriculture ecosystem? And the entire supply chain, which also has dairy um, and production and uh, all kind of different missionary. There's a lot of things that you can do within that supply chain. Where does the diaspora come in? um i would like to see that also become a part of what you're doing because agriculture is not just going and farming and all that it's not about cutting uh uh yeah. farming, but it's all it's more than that and i think that's something that we need to speak about so that we don't isolate agriculture as if that's something that gets done in the villages of africa which we know be does <laughs> but at the same yes. time how many products that we get out of it and i think it's a wonderful venture in my opinion
0: yes correct so I'm the marketing yeah. chain and all that marketing logistics all that. Oh, the whole supply storage, chain? Storage, the whole supply chain. So it's a huge opportunity. The whole
1: supply chain. The whole supply chain is open and available for the diaspora to jump in, especially those whose capability, uh, uh, personal interest, um, uh, and also personal wealth that they want to really uh, put back. And, and I can tell you, I was saying this yesterday during our uh, Africa diaspora investment symposium. I think the diaspora is the most generous ever. The African diaspora, just so are other diasporas, but I'm talking about the African diaspora, very generous. We give. We just want to give also a little bit smartly sometimes. Yeah, it's
0: about, it's okay. it's about channeling that, like channeling exactly, the way exactly. China was what built and, you know, how do we channel that to, to really create something tangible exactly, on the exactly. immediate hand-to-mouth requirements, you know?
1: Which is really what I want to talk about. The the, the remittances is good in itself, but also it creates dependency. Right, and that is the key word is for me, dependency. If I'm not If I am, I am not, I'm, uh, if I'm not enabling you, Amma, as my sister, I keep sending you whenever you ask me money. You have absolutely no plan on how to create a sustainable business for yourself so you don't depend on me when I die. What are you going to do? Correct. That's what we're creating. So and ends I mean. there. Exactly. it ends there. Exactly.
0: Once you give it, it doesn't multiply. So it does not.
1: Be- it doesn't scale. It doesn't multiply. It doesn't move. There is no generational wealth unless you really, really help. And this, you have. You may see this. You may have seen this in Ghana. Um, and I know. I see this in in some of the Eritrean community, Ethiopian community, Kenyan community. I've seen it that they will say to their brothers and sisters, whoever they are sending the money. I'm number seven of eight children, so really nobody asks me for anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I have to say that because. I think number seven is a good number, in yeah, my opinion, certainly. because I think I, I, I um, and my parents not alive, but I think for the younger generation, that is going to really do what many have done in the past, is that I have seen a lot of smart investment being done through remittances. And so they will say, hey, Almaz, I will create a venture for you. You just tell me what kind of store you want to own what kind of uh, beauty story you want to create, yeah. what kind of agricultural business you want to create. But this is the only time I will give you money. After that, you're your only It's up
0: to money. you. Exactly. Can
1: you imagine how powerful that is? Yeah. You are enabling me to create my business rather than I'm asking all the time. First of all, the dignity goes away.
0: Exactly. So, so what are your observations about, um, you know, the entrepreneurship ecosystem in terms of developing and training and helping SMEs because there's so many entrepreneurship startup programs, incubation, acceleration, uh, but we, we haven't really seen the growth in the numbers. terms of job creation factor. The, the, you know, those who have really been able to scale are very few and far between. So ha- what are your thoughts on the effectiveness of the current uh, system of uh, donor funded programs and such?
1: So it's very interesting you brought that up. Yesterday was a question um uh during the panel. We had Andile, he's an investor himself. And then we had uh, Hafiza, who does uh give funding, uh, startup funding. Some of it is grants, some of it is uh venture philanthropy, however it's set up. But most of the time they give us grants. And she had a point, and I like that point. What she was saying is that Yes, you use all of this, but use a blended value, you know, blended method of funding. So you could use the 50000 grant that you get to really hone on your, I'm using that $50,000, but it could be more or lower too, depending on what you're needing. Exactly. You can get that grant to get you off the ground. Once you shape up your value proposition, your business plan, you hone into exactly what you're going to do, and you've got the team in place, what you could do is use that plan to start raising whether it's private uh, equity money or uh, uh, venture capital money or impact investment money to make sure that you create a sustainable business. And um, earlier we talked about if you get grants, sometimes there are some uh, things that attach attached to the money you get. It can drain you. But I think it is not one or the other for Africans. In my opinion, it's a blended of all. You just have to know. But I think, Ama, where you're coming, and maybe team like you, uh, whether it's in Ghana, in other places of Africa, I think we need to have these um, intentional um, ecosystems that every time there is a venture started, maybe it's a partnership between public and private, the municipality of, uh, let's say, in Accra will say, "Ama, listen, in the last few weeks, we've had 15 new startups. I can tell you who they are, where they are, but they need some training. That kind of partnership is very important because there are some people who are working in silo. They start something Oh, it fails. Yeah. Why did it fail? It wasn't because they didn't do something right, but maybe, maybe they need mentoring. Maybe they needed a little bit of financial infusion. So if there was a way to create an integrated, I know this is called the circular economy. How do we make that happen? It really is looking at gaps and trying to fill the gap. So the, so that way you can start to really do It's hard. I can imagine it's not easy, but why should it be easy if you want to do something great?
0: Right, well, exactly. It's never easy. Yeah, you know, why does it
1: have to be easy? Yeah. Why isn't that always we're looking for easy things? There's no such a thing as an easy thing. You can make it, um you can work smart and make it look like easy, but actually it shouldn't be so easy that we have to say, oh, that was easy. I did it. Fine. But these things are more integrated, very complex, and complex issues require complex approach. Why not then create a system in which, it can really apply to those who are in need. And so, to your question, um, I would say that uh, the entrepreneurial ecosystem where I am in Silicon Valley is alive and well. Uh, people come up with creative ways to make things happen, but there is a system that enables them. Yeah.
0: The that, question yeah, they're is they're
1: how do we create? Exactly. How do we create? That ecosystem, we have to replicate what happens in the, in, you know, in, in, uh, in every part of the world. In Africa, we create our own system, but that system has to be an enabling system which will require the support of the government. Uh, what about, you know, governments of Africa giving free, uh, <laughs> taxes, you know, tax free investment for, I don't know, 90 years? Why not? If you can really look at the diaspora as an investment partner Mm -hmm. rather than a remittance sender, why not you look at it? Because if we happen to be the majority that are uh, sending money into the continent, well, I think it behooves the countries, each countries in Africa, to look at their diaspora, not as a a cash cow, but as an investment partner. As a partner. Exactly. Then you can start to treat each one of us in ways that you might really start to look at the corporations that you're trying to bring them to your country. It right. is not bad.
0: Right. Okay. So there's, there is a need
1: of partnership.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think just new ways of working together and finding out ways to kind of reward, make it a win-win for everybody, minimize the risk, increase transparency, because all these are the concerns exactly. of people, like when they're sending money... Uh, b- back home, you know, it, it, that's fine. So I, I had a final question for you about your symposium. Yes. What, what would you say the three key takeaways were from the symposium with all the investors that you had uh, discussing Africa as an opportunity? What were the three key takeaways for you?
1: Yesterday, yeah. 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 Uh, so this is seven series. We, you know, the Africa Diaspora Investment Symposium takes place. This is number six, six year, um, every year in Silicon Valley uh, for two and a half days. Well, because of Corona, we're doing it now seven sessions. The first session started yesterday and we will end January 20, 2021, when we bring the 10 Af- builders of Africa's feature that we select, uh, which is the 40th for that builders of Africa's feature. Uh, and then we uh, provide them an opportunity, access to potential founders, access to mentoring, and then hopefully some award and reward as much as we can. Um, so yesterday was the first session. It was more about actually what we're talking about the DFIs, uh, the different investment opportunities and funding opportunities during COVID and post COVID, what Africa would look like post COVID. And I can tell you from our Kenyan speaker that I took away yesterday, uh, from, uh, Dr. James Mwangi from the equi- uh, uh, Equity equity bank uh,
0: yeah.
1: was that. We need a public-private partnership. He really focuses on that, which we were talking about. He sees that that kind of partnership is critical to getting Africa to where it needs to be. And that's where their strength is. From Latanya, who is the head of the Global Fund for Women, it was really bringing women into that level of leadership. And what she said was, I'm paraphrasing, uh, that the future of the world is uh, women. Female. A woman's leadership is critical and so we both are women so we can say that yeah 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 yeah. but i yes i i, I think it's very important she is right but she sees this from her own vantage point and um and then uh, again they talk about uh, access to education especially right now during covid a lot of our people have gone down for a yeah. year uh, almost the six months without going in classroom and for our lost people- the whole
0: academic year
1: yeah. Exactly, and so what I think what um, uh, Dr. Wangi was saying and that stuck with me was by not having them to go for six months to school, we probably have lost a year to two years of knowledge. He yeah. also resources access to opportunities. I think the other one for the panel session was all about investment. What kind of investment is available in terms of investing in entrepreneurs in SMEs? Um, each one of them had a a a way of explaining the kind of doing impact investment and i mentioned grants some of them are just pure for a return on your investment whatever that together they said that uh, a sound ecosystem enabling for entrepreneurs to flourish in every country that they do business and then the other thing is really find very meaningful way to uh to enable also the diaspora to give back but to invest in their countries Okay. And the other one was the free trade. Uh, take advantage of that free trade, and then take advantage of the intra-Africa uh, free trade. But the intra-Africa migration is critical. This is something that we—if I cannot get visa, if an American can get visa to Ethiopia, and an Ethiopian cannot get visa to South Africa, it's mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. That
1: is something you can fight from where you are in Ghana <laughs> and make sure that Ghana is one of the six countries that is willing to have. A flexible visa system but i think you guys uh from the ground i mean change always happens at home yeah we can only support and amplify but we will never be able to do the kind of change that you can you guys can bring so i think on the ground change is required but uh the uh, the opportunities are there to invest in africa what we want to do is uh, as i said at the beginning, make Africa a destination of investment but we are also asking the governments to create an ecosystem that is accountable transparent capable making these changes happen otherwise we will continue to perpetuate the same thing give me money here give me money here. it doesn't anywhere I think we need to show our strengths but we also need to build on the strengths that we have
0: yeah I mean a good friend of mine keeps saying that uh, you know we, we should demand the leadership that we want, you know? And I wonder from your, where you sit, if, whether you see a change in, in that feeling of, of leadership that is actually going to nurture the continent. Do, do you really, I mean, beyond the lip service and beyond the high level things that we all see and read about, do, do you sense a, a real change in, in that in terms of the leadership direction?
1: What I see is hope. That's all I have is hope. The change is going to take time. But I do have hope because we have, without mentioning the country's names, some of these countries are really, really, really doing very well. Mm -hmm. I do hope those who are in need of really amplifying the work that they do and really supporting their communities, look into what other African countries. You don't have to look into Germany and France and other. Look at each other because you can only make a difference with the system that is available to you. You cannot make a system change in Liberia by looking at France. Of course. You can make, though, a change in Liberia by looking at your surrounding community. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we take each other for granted, but there are so many different developments happening in Africa. And we are 54 countries. We can learn from each other. We can build each other. And leadership, in my opinion, is not just having a bunch of people to follow you. It's absolutely about doing it. And really living by example, making these things happen in every communities that we live. So I do have hope. There's a long way to go for accountability, transparency, and creating an enabling ecosystem. Every country is doing it differently. And also, we know this, Amab, by even when I say every country, we have regions, we have uh, religions, we have the genders, we have so many things that we are divided by. How do you really create a system that lifts people up? That's a horizontal leadership. You know, it's not vertical. Yeah. And so how do you create? So horizontal leadership really brings people up. I'm not saying that they have to change to it overnight, but I think at the, at the bottom level, let's bring up uh, all at the same time so that you have ecosystems that work very well and that communicate very well. If you look at the horizontal system, it does have an incredible value. I can also see value in the vertical system. But really look at all this and then see if you can create an integrated system. But at the core, it's accountability, transparency and honesty that's going to take Africa to where it needs to be.
0: I'm Mazda Gash from Africa Diaspora Network. Thank you so much for making time for Scale Up Africa. And we look forward to working more in partnership with you to achieve our collective mission. So thank you so much for making time.
1: I'm very proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing because we do need people like you to make this possible for we don't have that ground level knowledge. So thank you.